Life is full of small lessons if you are willing to stop and pay attention to them. Everyone has a story, and the points where our stories intersect not only define us, those are the moments where we find out who we really are and if we're willing to grow. I'm Noah Chalaya, and I invite you to join me as we explore the history and meaning of Christmas on this episode of The School of Hard Knocks. Christmas is portrayed as a holiday filled with laughter, magical beings coming down chimneys, and happiness. But for a lot of people, Christmas is a reminder of what they've lost over the years, what they used to have. And we've lost the true meaning of Christmas. So I've invited my friend Tyler Fowler, host of the Complete Sinner's Guide, to join us to talk about the history of Christmas. Tyler, welcome into the program. Thanks, buddy. I'm glad you have me. Hey, I'm glad that you took the time to be here. And I want to start just by talking about how we got to where we are with Christmas, because I think over the years, Christmas has taken on a different meaning. When I walk around my city and I see people standing outside of lines to to save a couple hundred bucks on a TV, I have to ask myself, is that really what Christmas is about? And Tyler, you have studied a lot of a lot of this stuff and you have some really well-formed opinions. And so I was hoping you could kind of share with us um, the history of Christmas. Well, uh, it's very, uh, very interesting, actually, because it's a uh, debate within the Christian community. Um, to Is it sinful to celebrate Christmas? And we never, I, I remember whenever I was a kid, I never heard that in my life. I, it seems almost foreign to me even now, you know, how Christmas started, you know, all of these different things are ultimately irrelevant in, uh, don't get me wrong, I want to look at them, but in the sense of when the Bible tells us to, as Christians, to not judge each other over days and Sabbaths and all of these things, it signifies one thing. It shows us that we're not to be mean, we're not to be cruel, we're not to be all of these different things. We're to love each other, we're to give we and that's the that's the meaning of christmas it's not to receive it's to give we're celebrating jesus's birthday we know that jesus wasn't born on december 25th like you we was talking about it just a little bit ago that there wouldn't have been shepherds standing out in these fields if there was snow on the ground herding sheep it just would not happen so we understand that but that's not the point when you miss the meaning of it as in giving and showing love and showing, look, I want to give you something because you don't deserve it. That, that's what I want to talk about too. <laughs> but, but, but go ahead, man. Like what, how, because you, you brought up a really good point. The holidays are a time that, that a lot of people, you know, they've lost things. H- have you ever experienced loss or anything, especially around this time of the year? Yeah, actually. When, so when I was a kid, yeah. I used to go to my, my grandparents' house and that was our Christmas tradition is on December 24th. My sister and I would go with my mom over to my grandparents' house. My dad was a he was a physician and so he usually didn't accompany us over there. 
And we spent hours, my sister and I, over at my grandparents' house, and they did the traditional Christmas. They made a big meal. They invited everybody over. We sat down. We opened Christmas presents up at their house. Um, Usually, my mom helped give some input to my grandma and grandpa. And so when I was over there, my sister and I always felt like we got really cool gifts on December 24th. And it was like this big, long 24-hour party almost because then we would go home and we'd go to bed the next morning santa claus was going to come and he was going to deliver all of these gifts and so we had even more gifts and so it was just this this barrage of things to look forward to and my birthday is actually in december and so it happened to fall on the same day that i got out of school and so from the moment i you know i'd have a a great last day of school because we didn't really do any work i'd get home and either have a a birthday party or the next day i'd have a birthday party and then the day after that was christmas eve and then the day after that was christmas and so it was just this massive buildup of seeing all my family and getting to hang out and and enjoy and eat good food and open presents there's just so much good about it and over the years what happened tyler is my grandparents passed well they got older and so they stopped hosting christmas and the Christmas tree got smaller at their house. And eventually they stopped doing stuff altogether and we would just kind of stop over there. And then they passed away. And when that happened, I kind of took it upon myself because at that point, my parents were divorced. My wife's parents were divorced. And so we tried doing Christmas once or twice by going around to all of the families and it made no one happy and it just frustrated everybody. And it was immensely stressful on us. And so we just said, we can't do that anymore. So what we're going to do is invite everybody over to our house on Christmas Eve. And really what I was doing was trying to recreate that experience I had for 15 years or 14 years or whatever as a kid and fairly unsuccessfully, although it's, it was still fun. But, you know, as, as I sit down to record this episode with you, I'm looking around and the world around me has just changed so much. What was your Christmas like growing up? Well, honestly, so I had two Christmases whenever I was growing up, right? So I always loved Christmas because I got double presents, right? My mom and dad split whenever I was young, but I didn't view that, you know, then, you know, as something like just horrible, like divorce. I didn't understand it, you know. All I cared about was, you know, as a kid, I'm going to go get, you know, Christmas on my mom's on Christmas Eve, Christmas at my dad's on Christmas Day. Like, that's all I cared about. And then as I grew up, you know, I started understanding, like, I've told people before on, on the Complete Sinner's Guide, I didn't grow up as Christian. This is a this is a new thing for me. So to look back and view Christmas in and of itself through secular world, you know, through secular eyes, basically, what is completely different than what and then how I view it now. Um, but back then, you know, I was concerned, like we all are, I was concerned about getting as with with that child, like, you know, faith, if you want to call it that. In Christmas, like my mom told me about Santa Claus, you know, I and I was like, ah, I, I really thought I, it's funny, a story real quick. I actually thought I caught uh, Santa Claus one time, right? I, my mom, she was actually putting Christmas stuff under the tree and I had gotten up and she didn't know it was like three o'clock in the morning, I think. And anyway, long story short, it was my mom putting Christmas presents underneath the tree. And I just, all I saw, and I, and I remember, all I saw was somebody standing under a tree. And in my mind, I was like, that's Santa, you know. <gasps> Great, you know. And so I ran back to bed. And so, but that's the memories that I have. You know, I, I it, it, they were good. Don't get me wrong. They were bad circumstances. Divorce is a horrible thing. But that's not what I was concerned with. I was concerned with getting. And then... The older that I got, I realized that that childlike faith, 
if if we want to use that terminology, grew into a demand, right? It wasn't about just getting. I was demanding um, presence, you know? Why? Because I earned it, right? And from a Christian worldview, we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, with the gospel and how it affects all of these things. Whenever, whenever I started, you know, seeing that, well, I was disappointed if I didn't get anything. I was, you know, I, what, what are you talking about? Like, I've been good. And just the older I got, the more severe it got before, like I said, I was demanding it. You know, whenever my dad, hey, it's Christmas. Are you going to give me your gift? Like, I, I need 300 bucks. You know, I, I did this for you. And that's the concept that it seems that we have now. The older that I got, see what I'm saying? The, the more severe that, that want went from demand went from, you know, just, hey, now. And I, I think that, you know, I think that signifies what's happening here. We are growing as a nation and as, you know, people in general. We, I, I see us growing colder. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I'm, I'm glad that you invited me on because there is something to fix that. You know, you're onto something mm-hmm. when you say that we're growing cold. I, I noticed this year, yeah. one of the things that I have, I've noticed in the past is, you know, people, it used to be, you would go out to the store and you tried to get to know your friends and your family and you'd, you'd secretly pay attention to their, their, their innermost wants and desires and needs. And then you would try to meet those. And so if you had a family or friend that really needed a, you know, a new phone, um, or a new television set or a, or a new blanket or something like that. Right. And the, the, the classic example that comes to my mind is weirdly enough, the Sesame street episode. And I think it was Bert and Ernie, uh, and, and, and I don't remember which one was which, but you know, Bert wants, uh, he has a paperclip collection, but he has nowhere to store his paperclips and Ernie, um, wants a, a little thing to hold his, to hold his bar of soap up in the, in the bathroom. And so the story goes that Ernie goes and trades in his bar of soap so that he can buy Bert a, a box to hold his paperclips and Bert sells his paperclips so he can buy Ernie, a a, a, a thing to hold his soap up and and it goes back to what you were saying tyler about giving rather than receiving like now they've each given each other a present that is somewhat useless because the other one no longer has the corresponding object but the point of the story was that they didn't care about what they got they cared about trying to give to somebody else and so when i look at that through the lens of 2019 and people are no longer paying attention to their friends or their family or what they want they just go on amazon and look at their Amazon wish list, and they order whatever it is that the, the the other person says that they want without even maybe even understanding what it is, and then they ship that package off, or Amazon really ships that package off, and puts an Amazon little card in there and says "Merry Christmas from so and so." We have commercialized, corporatized, and you know, app sized if that's a word, the. Christmas experience and we're no longer it's no longer about human connection now it's about spending money and 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 meeting some sort of ritualistic requirement and I, and I don't think that's a good thing it's almost oh, uh, one of the eyes words that came to mind and I don't know if bastardize right sure it, it seems you know and, and I don't say that to offend no not as a pejorative sure the same, no but at the same time you're, you're absolutely right what what once originally started out as a good thing what what is christmas right what it it's 
from from what the research that I've done on it from Britannica, actually Christmas started out within the Catholic the Roman Catholic Church as Mass on or Mass for Christ, right? So you got Christ Mass, and that's that happened on you know December twenty fifth, and that's where we get this tradition from. What's interesting about it is that it started out as a good thing. We celebrate the birth of Christ, right? That's I mean Christmas. And so to do that, if we're going to celebrate, you know, Christmas f- for Christ and, and and his it's not like his birthday. It is. But it's so much more than that. And and I do want to get into a little theology here because here's why the birth of Jesus for those who don't know is so special. Jesus was not just a man. Jesus was God, the God that created me and you, the God that created this entire world. Everything about this place was created, and the God who did it actually stepped down from glory and majesty and entered into this corrupt... Look at the world. Look look at the world now. What do you see? Evil, corruption, Mm -hmm. and all of these things. And, and, And that's what we're hitting on, too. But the the moral of the story is this, is that God is going to fix it and and whenever we celebrate Christmas that's what we're celebrating is the fact that God stepped down from his throne into human flesh wrapped himself in human flesh we call it the incarnation and he was born through the virgin mary and entered into he invaded his own creation to make things right and that's why we celebrate Christmas. It's not, it, it, don't get me wrong, it is, we are to love as Christians. We, is it a bad thing to love for anybody, even, even you know, secular or, or Islam or any, any people? We are to love our fellow man because we are all made in the image of God. We are all in the same boat together. And if we did more good, then what would it look like? You see the evil. You see the results of all of this corruption that is happening. Even if you're an atheist, even if you're whatever, you, you don't even know what you believe. You have to look out into the world and you have to say something's wrong. I, something I don't. I might not know what it is, but something isn't right. Well, what determines that? Well, the God who stepped down into this creation, He's the one that determines that, and He's the one that said, "I'll fix it." And we'll talk. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. Yeah, I've got to tell people about Santa Claus, right? I got to tell people about Saint Nick. There Absolutely. was a legitimate dude. Dude, we His can't have a, We Nick. can't. We cannot have no. a Christmas episode without talking about Santa Claus. No, 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 no. So, so okay. So here's the thing. So for me, right? I, as a Christian, my wife is pregnant. You know, we got our first baby on the way. So, the, so we're talking about Christmas, and I know the things that are on people's minds. Is he going to tell his daughter, now Now that we know he's got a daughter on the way, is he going to tell her about Santa Claus? And my answer is yes. I am going to tell her Santa Claus existed. That, that he existed, key word. Why? Because there was a guy who is actually, uh, he's praised, he's praised for doing something bad, but he's praised among the Christian community, and we'll find out why here in just a second. But his name was St. Nicholas. And so why, why is this guy so famous, right? So first of all, St. Nicholas, he actually, uh, see, there's really no record, okay, of his existence attested in any document until actually the 6th century, which is kind of neat. 
but he had be, he is already famous at this time because what had happened was he actually lived. We think he lived around uh, two eighty. A.D. in uh, Patara in Asia, Asia Minor, that, that would be like Turkey today, right? And he died around 343. Well, this is important in the Christian community because one, the the most probably the most famous council, the most famous senate in church history was the Council of Nicaea, and they what happened at the Council of Nicaea was you had two groups, two main groups really. You had the people who said that Jesus was God in the flesh, right? They were <clears throat> the big debate about the council was the nature of Jesus, right? Is he God? Is he man? What is going on with Jesus? And the council uh, decreed that he he was he he was God in the flesh. He was the God man, right? But here's the thing: you had two groups. You had one who said his nature is divine. He is homoousios, which means of the same substance, right? Same as the Father. It was a Trinitarian debate. Is God three persons in one being? Or the Arians, so Arius, would be the proponent that said, no, he is, Jesus is not like the Father. He is heterousias. He is of a different substance. And so the debate was, is Jesus, does he have a divine nature? Or is he on the other side of God, which would be creation? If you're not God, you're creation. If you're not creation, you're God. That was the debate. And so you had two groups. You had the ones who said the homoousios group, and you had the heterousios group led by Arius. And St. Nicholas obviously was on the homoousios side. Anyway, so here's where it gets interesting. During this council, <laughs> and this is, he did something bad, but it was in righteous anger, if that was a justification for it. Because we, it's not because, and this is a big misconception about the Council of Nicaea. A lot of the people say that the doctrine of the Trinity came into existence at the Council of Nicaea, and that's why they were they had it, and that there couldn't be nothing further from the truth, Noah. Because here's the thing: there was a man by the name of Tertullian who lived a hundred years before the Council of Nicaea that actually coined the term Trinitas, right? Trinity, where we get the English word Trinity from today. That was a hundred years before Nicaea, so it had to be in existence before. And all someone have to do is take a quick Google search. A Google search of Tertullian to find out he's the one who coined the term Trinitas. If he coined it, it had to be talked about even before that, and we see it in the Bible everywhere. Jesus' baptism, for example, you got Jesus being baptized, Father in heaven speaking, "This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased," and the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, <clears throat> coming down on Jesus. Anyway, so there's, and that's not the only one. There's, there's so much more to it than that. <laughs> but Saint Nicholas, whenever. Arius, the one who said that Jesus is a creation, that Jesus is not God, but he, he's he's highly exalted, but he's not God. Saint Nicholas actually punched Arius in the face and said, "Uh, uh-uh, you are done. It, it, it's over with." So I, I, I want to read just a little bit about him, and it's it, um, <clears throat> it's from the Gospel Coalition, and it, it, it's just it's neat to see it. It says, "Why was Nicholas so famous?" It's impossible to tell a uh, fact from fiction, 
but this is some of the legend of St. Nicholas. He was reputed to be a wonder worker who brought children back to life, destroyed pagan temples, saved sailors from sea at, or from death at sea, and as an infant nursed only two days a week and fasted the other five days. This guy was a legend. <laughs> Pre- legend there being the key word. Moving from the probable legend to possible history, Nicholas was honored for enduring persecution. Now, this is something that we know. It was said that he was imprisoned during the empire, wide destruction under Diocletian and Maximian. Under the, uh, upon his release and return, the people flocked around him. Nicholas, confessor, St. Nicholas has come home. Nicholas was also held as a defender of orthodoxy. And this is where we get into the Council of Nicaea. Later sources claim he is in attendance at the crowd uh, at the Council of Nicaea. According to tradition, now he was a staunch opponent of Arianism, which is the heter- or the heterousios group that I was speaking of earlier. Writing five centuries after his death, one biographer said this in quotes: "Thanks to the teaching of Saint Nicholas, the metropolis of Myra alone was untouched by the filth of the Arian heresy." which it firmly rejected as the death-dealing poison. Stories of this courageous abound, one claiming that Nicholas actually traveled to Nicaea and upon arrival promptly slapped Arius in the face. As the story goes, the rest of the council was shocked and appalled, so much so that they were going to remove Nicholas from his bishopric until Jesus and Mary appeared to defend him. According to the same legend, this apparition changed the minds of the delegates uh, quickly recanted the outrage. But so how in the world did a guy going from punching his opponent in the face to the big red man, you know, that comes down the chimney? Yeah. Nicholas, one of the, one of the things that characterized Nicholas was his gift giving, right? And uh, St. Nicholas, he was a gift giver. And that, it's actually interesting because that is a, a function of the Holy Spirit. God loves a cheerful giver. And so Christians begin to celebrate December 6th, his feast day, by giving presents. And this is where this tradition comes from, that giving presents to others from and because of St. Nicholas. And so legend, obviously, you know, throughout the centuries evolved into what it is now, and that's where we get basically the story of him. So to answer the question about, will I tell my child about St. Nick? Absolutely, of course. But I'm not going to lie to her and say he's a big, you know, he's a chunky man that comes down our chimney at night and gives her <laughs> presents and stuff like that. No, I'm going to tell her the real story. And I would suggest that, you know, that's what people do, um, especially whenever it comes to, you know, truth um, about these types of things. Do you think there's anything wrong with parents that, um, you know, use the story of Santa Claus and use the quote unquote magical Christmas to create an experience for the kids. And so, you know, they take them to the mall and sit on Santa's lap and, and do all of that. You think there's anything wrong with that? Or is it is it intentionally setting up children to be deceived down the road? The reason I asked Tyler is because if you think about it, we tell kids that if you behave good, that there is this omnipresence creature that's watching them. And they're they're paying attention to them and they're paying attention to their deeds if they're good or if they're bad. And if they do good things, then they'll be rewarded. If they do bad things, then then they'll get a lump of coal. And of course, the problem with that is, is as kids grow up, they get to a point where they look up and go, wait, Santa's not real? Well, what's the other omnipresent creature that's that we tell them as they're growing up is watching their behavior and we want to behave and, and do good things because of him? It's God, right? And I question if we're not 
if we're not compromising maybe a little bit the the spiritual growth of kids yeah, so so first and foremost, is there anything wrong or is there anything sinful about getting your child's picture taken with quote-unquote Santa Claus? I don't think so. Okay. I, I truly don't. We, we Christians have a liberty um, that we are not under strict and, and, and slavish legalistic uh, dogmas and doctrines that are man-made, right? There's nothing in the Bible that says don't let your kid take a picture of Santa Claus, right? It's just not mm-hmm. there. So is it wrong for that? No, I don't think so. Where does it become an issue? I believe that it becomes an issue whenever you break the ninth, uh, the eighth commandment that says thou shalt not lie, right? You are lying to your child if you say Santa Claus. The, 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 the picture that we have today of Santa Claus is real. There, no good can come out of that. And you, and you said to create for them an experience. Here's the thing. I don't want my child, and this is just me speaking as a father, Whenever my baby's born, I don't want my child's experiences to be based on lies. I don't want her to find out truth later on down the road. I want to exp- I want her to experience what is truth, and that's why I'm going to teach her about Jesus. Yes, I'm going to teach her about Saint Nick, but I'm going to teach her about the real Saint Nick. So, if there's anybody out there that's kind of, eh, what uh, what do I do? First of all, repent. <laughs> but second of all. Look to the real story because there is a real story about Saint Nicholas, and I think personally it's a better story to be honest with you. Sure, and it's true. So, so you got so you kill two birds with one stone at that point. You have a practice in which you sit down with your family and tell them the story of Jesus coming to the world, either from uh, either from Matthew or from Mark. So we're always getting together and we're, we're celebrating Christmas, yes, but we never talk about Jesus. We never. You know why? Why don't why don't we do that, right? So I just got in, in my head that, well, why not make, you know, whenever we all get together, right before we eat or while we're eating, I said I'm going to, you know, read just the the the, the birth of Jesus, you know, the story of Mary, um, in Matthew and Luke, and I did Matthew one year, and I did uh, Luke the next, and this year actually I'm going to tell the gospel. But what I want to do is actually put into perspective why Jesus came, and basically give a summarized version of our show tonight. There was a time, if if we can call it that, that we had nothing, that we wasn't here. Nothing existed except for one thing, and that was God, existing in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Christians have a triune God, and we don't have time at all to even begin to unpack, that, unpack this, but at the very, very, very nutshelled version of it, we have a God, one being, not three, one being who subsists and is self-existent in three distinct persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of these persons, not beings, we, we, that, we don't want to get those two words confused because you go into heresy at that point. We, we have this being, and he decides to create. He decides to make and create creatures that are in his image. He calls man. He starts out with Adam, right? And so to really brush through Genesis to Matthew, which is where Jesus comes into play, we're going to go through this super fast. Whenever God created Adam, he told him, he gave him a commandment, one commandment. He said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, 
Adam, just like everyone else, went and ate. He's at what everyone else, everyone else would have done. Adam ate of this tree and he sinned. And from that point on, everything changed. We experienced what was, or well, Adam experienced what was called the fall of mankind. Everybody should be familiar with that term. Whenever the fall happened, things got bad and things got bad real quick. We see all through Genesis, you know, God, that's why God destroyed the world with the flood. Everybody knows the story about Noah, right? God chose to save Noah and restart the earth because of the wickedness of, of this, that the sin that came into this world through Adam produced, right? And you just get, and you keep going through Exodus. God, you know, makes a covenant or a promise to a man named Abraham. He promises Abraham, hey, look, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this problem. And we actually see it in, back in Genesis with Adam. He promises Adam, he says, look, a seed's going to come. And the, the serpent that deceived you, that symbolized by Satan, he will kill him. He will crush his head. And that's the promise. Genesis 3.15, we call it the Proto-Evangelium. It's the Proto-Gospel, the first mention of the Gospel. The seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. And that concept is taken down through Genesis when we meet Abraham, who is the, the covenant or the promise that was made to Adam is, is expanded in Abraham. We call it the Abrahamic covenant. And all of these things just keep going and keep going and keep going. And the problem is, the problem is, is that sin is never fully dealt with in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. So from Genesis to Malachi, a promise is being made that, hey, look, one day, one day soon, someone's going to come and someone's going to set what was made wrong by Adam right. And that person ended up being God himself, the Son, Jesus. So what happens in the incarnation? A promise is made to this little virgin girl named Mary, right? And she and, and the angel Gabriel, who's who, who's a big deal in heaven, comes down and says, "Look, you have found favor with God, O oh, 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 blessed one. You are going to bear the Messiah that was promised from Genesis all the way through Malachi. You're going to be the one whom He comes through." And it was so important, so important that Jesus, the God Man, came into existence as a man so he could set the record straight for men. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically the story. That I wanted to actually n- not, not make people understand. No, I wanted to have a reason to celebrate Christmas, a Christian reason. And that, I mean, it, it worked. Like I loved actually seeing the response that I got from it was great. So I would recommend if you're looking how to, you know, maybe... Eh, you don't know if you should celebrate. No, it's not about celebrating Christmas that's sinful or whatever. Find a way to show people who Jesus is in your, you know, in, in whatever you do as a family. I love it. Tyler, thanks so much yeah. for taking the time to come on the program. People want to get more of Tyler Feller. Where can they go? They can go to www.completecenters.com. We usually do an hour show every, every uh, Saturday 
and we we've got everything on there. Noah, Noah, you always you know help me out with that, and, and I, I I so appreciate it. We disagree on theology, but that is definitely a more of a theological podcast. So if if you're into that, if you want to know, um, I I come from the reform perspective. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, you can go to www.completecenters.com. People can email me at completecenter at gmail.com. Um, I I'm always down to talk to people and answer questions and stuff like that. And just my, my main, just wrapping up real quick, that would be, you know, my main concern about all of this, you know, is not the, the question is not what should we celebrate Christmas? What, how, how should we do it? No, no, no. Why, why are we doing this? That's the question. And if it's out of anything other than love, then we're doing it for the wrong reasons. 